T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, joining us now in studio is a Hall of Famer, the great Eric Nadell. How you doing, Eric? I am doing great. I am chilled out in vacation mode. Gosh. School's out for summer. That's got to feel <laughs> so good to put a bow on the season. That's just a lot of work goes into that. Congratulations on another fantastic season of broadcasting for you and your team. You guys are just all exceptional. Thanks. We had such a good time. This was such a pleasantly surprising season um, with the Rangers staying in contention, you know, for most of the year. And, you know, just having the whole Chris Woodward experience changed everything. Uh, the atmosphere around the team was so relaxed. Uh, he got so much out of the players, and the communication skills of Chris and his coaching staff were really something to behold. It, it was part of the fun of the season. Yeah, that's uh, that that can certainly change the complexion because sometimes that can go horribly wrong, right? And a lot of times it's based on who was here before and how players need to change and all those sorts of things. But did you did you, how as the season was unfolding early the first half and the Rangers were in the mix? Did you kind of get the feeling that they could hang into it, or did you sort of feel like, ah, this is going to change? We simply don't have enough firepower. You know, you never knew if the starting pitching would be good enough uh, because, you know, they signed the three guys in the offseason who were coming off Tommy John, and none of them worked out. You know, right. Shelby Miller and Drew Smiley and Edinson Volquez. Fortunately, for a while, Ariel Gerardo and Adrian Sampson were able to pick up the slack. Uh, and keep the Rangers in games, and basically keep the Rangers competitive. Uh, that didn't last forever. And when that didn't last, and then Gallo and Pence got hurt, and the firepower wasn't there that had been there the first few months of the season, You know, it was really at that point a different team. So Rugnet Odor has to know wasn't the best season for him. He did end up, you know, hitting thirty home runs. Um, you know, if you if you look at he he played a little bit better in the last month of the season. John Daniels apparently said today that they will look to trade one of their left-handed bats. Well, uh, Rugi's probably the leading candidate uh, to be dealt. I would think maybe Mazara's up there as well. Mazar did hit two eighty-seven in the second half, but. Uh, what are your thoughts on the season you just saw from Rugnet Odor and how it impacts his future, especially knowing Solak's right there in the waiting? No, he's such a tease. You know, he's done this before, <laughs> you know, had a big finish, and you figure, well, that's going to carry over to next year and he's going to have a full season. But, you know, Chris Woodward believes that uh, Rugi has a better foundation now to put together, you know, a full, consistent year next year. Um, yeah, there's certainly a chance he'll be traded. I don't know if his contract... Uh, will prevent that. Uh, I don't know if Shinsu Chu, maybe, with only one year left on the contract, uh, is somebody who would be tradable, especially since he showed this year that he is still quite capable of playing the outfield, mm -hmm. you know, at least at an average level. And, of course, Mazzara doesn't exactly have his maximum trade value right now, but there are teams that still see the upside in a guy who's, I think, only still only 24 years old. But I would imagine it's pretty certain that one of those three guys will get traded. As far as Ruggie goes, though, Ruggie knows. We talked to him in a Saturday night after the game when he had the six RBIs. He knows it wasn't a good season for him. 
uh, even though he wound up with 30 homers and a career high, you know, over 90 runs batted in, you know, he realizes he has to be more consistent. I don't know if those guys look at the OPS number, which seems to be the most significant stat these days to judge a guy's overall offensive performance. You know, he wound up at least over 700, Mm. but still about 50 points below the league average, you know, which is amazing when you consider guy hits 30 homers, 90 runs batted in, but the on-base plus slugging together don't even add up to the league average. Uh, Clearly, you know, there's something wrong in the body of work as a whole. Do you think uh, the starting third baseman or regular third baseman for the Texas Rangers is currently in the organization? I'd be surprised if he is. Mm-hmm. I I think the Rangers will go outside and get somebody. I know they do like Nick Solak. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a good enough defensive player to play third base. He really hasn't had enough opportunities to show. Uh, I know the Rangers don't want to just stick Danny Santana there. They love the idea of Santana being able to play multiple positions, and I think they would be more enthused about Santana as either a second baseman or a center fielder than they would as a third baseman. Uh, I think the Rangers will go out and try and sign one of the guys out there, whether it's Rendon or Donaldson or Moustakis. Uh, I'd be surprised if one of those three guys wasn't a Ranger. Or maybe somebody comes in a trade who we're not even thinking about. So Rendon, it came out today that the Nationals have offered him seven years, $210 million, $30 million a year. He's 29, obviously an incredible season, hit 319, 34 bombs, drove in 126 runs. Apparently he's really good, above average defense. You may know about his defensive prowess as well. Uh, it kind of has this the feeling of Adrian Beltre part two, and uh, that's a lot to, to stick on a guy. But that said, do you feel like the the organization is is going to spend money in free agency and go after a guy like this or someone else because of the new stadium? Yeah, I think so. I think the new stadium makes it possible. Also, where the Rangers are in the rebuild makes it more sensible than it would have been a year ago or two years ago. You know, you can kind of sniff serious contention now, which wasn't necessarily the case before. So I think that combined with obviously new revenue streams from the new stadium, uh, it does make sense. And, you know, the Rangers need to add a veteran starting pitcher too. Mm -hmm. Um, I doubt it's going to be Garrett Cole, uh, but maybe it's Zach Wheeler or Jake Odorizzi or, you know, one of the other guys out there. Uh, That's, a very big need. You can't go into next season, I don't think, and expect to contend with just Lynn and Miner as proven, established starting pitchers. I think it was really interesting that Miner had his troubles around the All Star break. But you know, we were talking earlier about how the heat impacts people. I mean, the guy finished strong, and depending on you know if you look at the innings he had pitched leading up to that, and then being in the bullpen, and the injury, and all that. I mean, he showed a hell of a lot this year, and he was the at the centerpiece of so much trade talk. That could be a real pivotal situation for the Rangers about how much they can or can't compete this year. Is if they do end up keeping Minor and then adding a legit pitcher with them, then you kind of start feeling good about the the three guys. And then which of these young arms step up to fill out your rotation? Yeah, I think that's right. And it's funny because for years we would evaluate pitchers partially on how well they could pitch in our ballpark, how well they could handle the heat. You know, it was a great big deal. Can he pitch in our ballpark? Now it does. Doesn't it doesn't matter, matter anymore. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Miner and Lynn both did that, you know, certainly enhances their value, uh, both to the Rangers uh, and to other clubs. Think if they do stay with the Rangers, how much easier it's going to be for them to go through the second half of the season not pitching, you know, in 95-degree temperature 
all the time. What both of those guys did this season is amazing. And, you know, just you look at the baseball reference war thing, and I still have no idea how they compute that statistic. <laughs> I just know that the guys who vote for MVP and Cy Young use that stat a lot. And those guys rank second and third in the league in war behind Justin Verlander. Wow. Um, you know, basically meaning uh, their value to their team is greater than that of any other pitcher to his team with the exception of Verlander. It's it's phenomenal. All right, so let's talk about Chris Woodward, his, his first year as skipper here, and we hear that, okay, there's a lot more meetings and things they did this year. They wanted to overhaul the team's culture. How do you think he did in his first year, and what should Rangers fans be excited about with regard to the future with this young manager? I, I think he did a splendid job. You know, the meetings, the hitters' meetings, on a daily basis makes so much sense. There's such a wealth of information now that they provide these guys, you know, if they want it. There's so much information there. I don't know how a guy could be involved in a meeting on Monday and possibly remember what they told him about some guy who might pitch on Wednesday when in the meantime he might have faced 10 different pitchers the way things are now Mm -hmm. in baseball. You really do need those meetings on a daily basis. in a sense, to me, there's there's too much information for guys to process. And part of the job of Woodward and the coaches is making it easier for the hitters and the pitchers, for that matter, to absorb the information that they need and use it. Uh, in some cases, I think there are probably guys who get overwhelmed by too much information. Each guy is different. And I think that's why it's so valuable that Chris and uh, Luis Ortiz and Calix Crab, the hitters co- hitting coaches, are so good at relating to players and relating to them as people. And that's something that, you know, I thought was very different this year. The relationship between Chris and the players, I almost likened to an older brother relationship compared to the more paternal relationship that you had with with Jeff Bannister, who was more of an authoritarian-type father figure. And even Wash was a father figure, but, uh, you know, more of an uh, avuncular, a gentle father figure. With Chris, it's different, you know. He's still one of them. He's 42 years old. Mm-hmm. You can still see him going out and playing third base, you know, someday for them if they needed a guy. Um, it's different, but I just love the way it worked out. And more than anything, I love the fact that this guy, Chris Woodward, did not change when things started going badly in the second half. There wasn't a sense of stress, of panic, uh, even keel, and you know, just remarkable. I, I, I cannot possibly overstate how impressed I am by Chris Woodward, both as a manager and as a person. Wash was like a cool uncle in a lot of ways. The do you cool think, uncle, yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think Joey Gallo, uh, Gallo it, it, look, he missed, what, he played 70 games? I don't know how many games he played. But do you think he is the middle of the bat beast that this franchise can build around, or do they still need that guy? No, he's the guy. I, I think he's the guy. Uh, but one thing we saw, I think, while the Rangers were going well, is it really helps to have a second guy, that, which was Pence, for most of the year. You know, you got to give some protection to Gallo. you got to, first of all, make sure there are people on base when he comes up, and there does have to be somebody behind him, you know, who is a threat. But I think what he did in the half a season, especially in light of how he did it, which was a different approach, clearly able to not swing at the pitches that he can't hit, uh, even if it means getting called out on strikes, um, I think they got through to him, and it was a big factor in the kind of year that he had. You know, his approach now is very different from what it was two years ago. 
So Nick Solak, only 33 games, but really impressive. They said he could hit uh, 884 OPS. Is, is he an everyday player next year for the Texas Rangers, and is that sustainable? It's an, It'll be interesting to see you know, whether he becomes another guy like Santana who plays second, third, and the outfield. Uh, it was interesting to me how well he did as a designated hitter this year. A lot of young players can't handle that role. You know, it's like pinch hitting four or five times, and a lot of guys hate it. You know, none of them prefer to do it, but it turned out he was pretty good at it. He was able to handle it, which demonstrates to me that there's a there's a mental capacity there, uh, which is impressive. But I think they'd like to find at-bats for him. Uh, and I've talked to Michael Young about him, and I always think of Nick Solak as a potential Michael Young starter kit. And and Michael's really impressed by him. Michael thinks he's a player, and you know that that's good enough for me. Boy, that carries a lot of weight. All right, let's talk about what you've got coming up Sunday night, man. Yeah, so I do this uh, concert series at Cafe Momentum, which is a nonprofit restaurant in downtown Dallas that hires juvenile offenders when they come out of jail and gives them a one-year paid internship in the restaurant business. And I've been doing a concert series with them for almost two years now, one concert a month on a Sunday night. Uh, it's dinner, drinks, concert all together. It starts at 6. It's over at 9. And this Sunday, I've been trying to put this show together for two years. It's baseball songs. Cool. Uh, last year, I was asked by the public radio station here to do a DJ set and play all baseball songs for an hour. And I thought it would be a piece of cake. Well, it wasn't. There's like hundreds of them. I didn't realize that back in the 50s, there were songs about Willie Mays and Jackie Robinson and Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio, multiple songs about each guy. Uh, there are songs about each hero. Ben Gibbard of yes. Death Cab has a song <laughs> about each hero. Uh, Bill Lee wrote has a song that Warren Zevon wrote about him. Uh, Catfish Hunter has a song that Bob Dylan wrote about him. So, like, is Mrs. Robinson considered a baseball song or no? No. You eliminate that. No, these Just are little real, references don't matter. Right, real, base, real baseball songs. And we have three singers who are going to perform these songs. One is Vanessa Peters, who is local, a fabulous singer-songwriter. And two of them are guys who live in, in California. One is named Dan Byrne, who got really famous a few years ago for a song he did called The Fifth Beatle. Uh, which is unbelievably entertaining, and he'll do that on Sunday. But he actually has a double album of baseball songs called oh, wow. Extra Innings. <laughs> and uh, another guy named Dan Navarro, who's a huge Dodger fan who performs baseball songs. And the three of them are all are going to perform baseball songs on Sunday night. And 105.3 The Fan actually has a link on their website where you can win tickets oh, cool. all right. to the show. And these are expensive tickets. It costs $85 to go to this thing. But, in, again, it includes dinner, drinks, and the show. But if you go to 1053thefan.com .com .com slash contests, 1053thefan.com slash contests, you can win uh, one of, uh, I think, five pairs of tickets that were given away to the show. And I am told, too, that the famous Matt Hicks and Jared Sandler will both be there. Wow. Oh, so we have nice. a lot of people who tweet us, say, how can we meet you guys, blah, 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 blah. Come to Cafe Momentum on Sunday, and uh, we can make all of that happen. Love it, love it. Hey, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to come join us up here. We love talking baseball with you. Enjoy your much-deserved off time. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it, and looking forward to listening to you guys to find out 
what's happening with the Cowboys now that I have the energy to pay <laughs> <laughs> There you go. You'll be listening from Durango, I'm sure. Uh, I will be. On the radio.com. Uh, uh, I have the radio.com app right here on my phone. It's there a great you app. Go. Yes, Thanks, there Eric. goes the Thank great Eric Nadell. Coming up next, some new Dak Prescott audio and a conversation that must be had right here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thanks, Yippy. It's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. We're going to get into some... Uh some Peyton Manning audio about Dak Prescott and Shippy. We may need to lean on you to walk us through exactly what it is. We heard it this morning on Sean and RJ, and it was good enough to get back into. But another topic involving Dak Prescott from the morning show, uh, which I think is is worth getting into here, is now that you're a quarter of the way through the season, where is Dak Prescott in your quarterback rankings? And and the reason I think this is is interesting is because, look, uh, you know, in the first three games, he looked like Pat Mahomes Jr. Obviously, in the Saints game, it really wasn't ideal, and uh, there's a lot of reasons why the Cowboys' offense got shut down or chose to run the ball and shut themselves down. But going into the season, you know, most people had Dak Prescott probably middle of the pack. 32 starting quarterbacks, somewhere between 13 and 17. And we even had the, uh, what was that, the the GMs or uh, what was that, the Sando power rankings? Yeah, yeah. the, the quarterback tiers. Quarterback list. tiers. The and tiers. he had Dak as, I believe, a high three-tier quarterback. He had Dak at, and ranked in terms of like ranking all those guys, he had Dak at 17. 17. And was that the one where front offices waved in, weighed yes, in yeah. on that? 55 right. head coaches uh, in front office. Pieces. And and he puts it in tiers. And right. so like it, Dak is at the front of the tier three. Some people gave him a tier two, but he was mostly he was, tier three. Taking all the votes, he was a two point seven three. Yep. So pretty much the uh, the world had Dak somewhere in the middle of the pack uh, in terms of quarterback rankings. Now that you've seen Dak through a quarter of this season, uh, let's you know we had the conversation earlier where all right, you're picking quarterbacks for one season, and uh, then you might take some of the older quarterbacks. But if you're taking young franchise quarterbacks, let's just start in that regard. Uh, if you are starting a franchise right now and you are you take over the Cowboys and it's a it's a fantasy draft and you can choose between all the quarterbacks who are available, whether they're young or old, how many quarterbacks are you gonna take before you get to Dak to be your franchise quarterback? I mean, without like listing all the quarterbacks, I'm thinking probably seven or eight, something like that. But I always look at these in groupings and so obviously Wentz and Goff are gonna be grouped together with Dak. Uh, forever. Um, of those three guys, I would rather have Dak for a myriad of reasons. Not I'm not saying he's for one game better than all those other guys or whatever, but as I watch this unfold, I'm now more convinced that Dak is the guy to build with over the other two. The one who I think is the most talented is injury prone. And so I would go with the guy who's sturdy, he's played every game and continues to get better and is a great leader. I'd go with Dak of those three. All right, so I'm going to take three guys. So I'm going to tell you that I feel I would take Dak over to, to eliminate them from the list. Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck, retired. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger, hurt. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton, 
I would now take Dak over Cam Newton. Me too. That's where I'm at now. I would have done that before and the year, though. I, I think I would have. It would have been a debate. Yeah. Um, and then I would also like to add to the mix Kirk Cousins. I will now take Dak over Kirk Cousins. All right. It's not even close. So I'm kind of doing the list here. Okay. So I'd take Dak over Cousins. Would you guys take Dak over Baker? I would. Uh, Watching I, Baker closely, I, I would now take Dak over Baker, and it's not even close. I would now. I wouldn't have before the season, Baker's, but I would now. Baker's more. We get into this whole thing where like you have to factor in intangibles. Baker's more talented uh, and has more instinct and razzle dazzle and all that. But dude, Dak is just so rock steady, solid and durable, and he he, he can he can make plenty of throws. Let's do this one. Dak is seventeen. Okay, so Dak or Cousins? Dak. Dak. Okay, so he's up to sixteen, right? Dak or Cam Newton? Dak. Dak. Well, I mean, Cam Newton may be done. Could be done. Dak or Baker? We all Dak. So Dak is now up to 14th, all right? Dak or Goff? Dak. Dak. I would take Goff still. I would take Dak. What a hater. But that's fine. You guys voted Dak, so Dak up to is moving up the rankings. Dak or Deshaun Watson? Dak. Dak. I, I never had Dak. I never had Deshaun Watson ahead of Dak. I think Watson's great. He's so inconsistent though. Um and he might be a guy who's held back by the offense too, though. Mm-hmm. But he's got Hopkins. Dude, I know they love him down there. I was actually surprised when we had uh John McClain on and how emphatically it was, oh my God, he, he had Deshaun Watson as the second coming. Yeah. But I've always preferred Dak. Well, he's he's won them some games single handedly, you know. Yep. Uh Dak or Stafford? Dak, but I, that's not to Take a shot at Stafford. Stafford is a hell of a quarterback, and obviously it's not a shot, Shippy. Oh, and you got to respect that. the way the Lions are playing. The Lions are super impressive, but, I mean, again, it kind of gets into, are you talking about for one year? Or right. Are you talking about to start a franchise? And uh, I take the youth and Dak. Exactly. If it was for one season, I would take Stafford. For the long haul, I would take Dak. The reason the, the Lions lost that game, aside from the fumble, the reason they lost that game to the Chiefs is because they had them, and they just couldn't extend that lead in the first half. It drives Peter and out real quick. And I was like, what's this throw? Dude, Stafford is throw? Stafford is a guy that has been physically annihilated yeah. for the last five years. Dacker, annihilated. Dacker wins. Dak for me. Okay. Uh I whew, that's a tough one. Um I I definitely think Wentz is a better quarterback. Agreed. Um it, obviously there's the health issue. Um, I think I would take Wentz over Dak, but it, it's pretty close. I would take I would take Dak strictly because of injury reasons. My order is Goff, Dak, Wentz. Mm-hmm. So, by the nature of the vote, we are now in the top ten. Dak is now a top ten quarterback, guys. Dak or Matt Ryan? Dak. You guys have been watching the Falcons? Yeah, dude. they're a mess. It's this Dak. is this is the other thing about quarterback rankings. We talked about this earlier in the year. A lot of guys start dropping off with age. Yeah, and this is the time where I think. I honestly think if Roethlisberger wasn't hurt, we would be having a healthy Dak or Roethlisberger debate because Roethlisberger's old and he's starting to tail off even before he got hurt. Yeah. Russell Wilson. Russ. I Russ. think I would take Russell Wilson over Dak. Me too. I have Russ as my fifth-ranked quarterback. Uh, seven. I mean, Roethlisberger, so he's gone. Sixth, Phillip Rivers. Dak. All right, if you're talking about for one season, I would take Phillip Rivers over Dak. But for anything beyond that, I would take Dak. We're only four games into the season, but I'm convinced that uh, Rivers is about to go the way of Ryan. I kind of have Rivers and then Roethlisberger or Ryan in that same uh, area because you're seeing arm strength tell off mm-hmm. with yes. all three of these guys. You're seeing them kind of short arm it. Uh, obviously, Roethlisberger's not doing anything. So number five is Andrew Luck. Oh, he's reading books. Uh, Pat Mahomes for, we'd take Mahomes, mm-hmm. Breeze, Brady, Rodgers. Dak, you could make the argument to top eight quarterback in the NFL. Now, 
Right now you could. Coming and, off the tails of, uh, maybe we should we throw Lamar Jackson into the whole top 15 that we didn't mention there. But that's coming off the coattails of a pretty bad performance on Sunday night. Right. And again, I don't hold that against him. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't, maybe he audibled into running plays when he saw what the safeties were doing and ran the Cowboys into that front. Maybe he was just doing exactly what they told. He obviously, you know, the blocking wasn't incredible. Uh, and it was a real hostile environment. But I, I think in, if he had had another game like he had had in the first three games, you'd be talking about him and Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a really come down to earth, come back down to earth a little bit, at least in terms of the perception of how good he is. But if if he's gone from uh, in the national perception to being a top 17 quarterback, to being a top 10 quarterback, that's a pretty big leap in uh, just four games. You know, I, I think it's a... A situation when I when I think about whatever happened that night, I at first I wanted to kill everyone for it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that the blame was cyclical. It was everyone. It was the team, and give the Saints credit to on on top of killing everyone for it. And now I'm just going, man. I think I I don't know, and let's see how they fare against the Packers. Because if you can't run against the Packers, you've got a problem. Not running against the Saints, all right? Saints, right. Saints. I mean. It's not like Saints are leading the team, uh, leading the league, and you know stopping the run or anything. But it's a good defense, and so are the Packers. So you can't have two back-to-back duds against really good defenses. No, I agree, especially um, when one's at home. One's at home, and and so this is really going to start becoming more of a question about the offensive line. The Saints it, didn't load the box. Yeah. They did not hold Zeke to thirty-five yards on eighteen carries because it was a stacked box. They well, just got beat. And last year, teams didn't load the box on Zeke too much either. The Cowboys, were, I think, were twentieth in the league in facing loaded boxes. Is that right? Yeah, I would have so, thought it was much higher than no, that. No, it was twentieth. All right, there was audio this morning that was played on Sean and RJ that had to do with uh, Peyton Manning, and and he was examining Dak and and calling audibles. What is this stuff, Shippy? Yeah, so this is from it's ESPN Plus, which is a, a subscription based thing with ESPN, and basically Peyton Manning breaks down these different quarterbacks. This is him breaking down Dak Prescott on the field as a field general and a lot of the things he's calling out at the line of scrimmage. You see Dak a lot in this game. He is calling a lot of things at the line of scrimmage. Here we go, get out there, get out there, Here's go Manning. Manning, Manning, double right, nasty even. Shanahan, Jam Troy, Jam Troy, Bahamas. Scarface, Scarface. Hey, Kim K, Kim K. Yep, drag, 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 drag. Hey, child that, child that. Hey, no, leave it on, just leave it on, leave it on. It could be protections. Hey, dirty, dirty, going to 35, going to 35. It could be changing a pass play to a run play. Hey, here we go, here we go, let's go, count, count. It could be changing the pass pattern, but he does a nice job of operating at the line of scrimmage. You got to be a field general out there, and Dak does a good job. I like how he turns his back a lot to signal to his receivers. He doesn't want the defense to see the signal. Sparrow, Sparrow, Sparrow! Anytime you have a chance to try to disguise or hide your signals, do it. Turn your back, bend down low, be creative. You see him, he gets back. Looks like it might be a pass play. He's talking to his receivers. What does he do? He checks to a run play, a great check. Third and two, a great check. Everybody thinks you got to make a great pass play. You have worked hard to get it to third and two. We should have to make great throws on third and two. All right. So I, what I loved about that is uh, I loved uh, Manning breaking that down, but I also loved just thinking about what those audibles could mean. Like I heard Roy speculating on what Kim K means, and could that mean that something with the backside of the defense? 
Like he, he talked about somebody coming with a backside blitz. Oh my God. Um, that's the way he was looking at that. And so some early videos that would indicate that that would make sense. Right. Right. Say Ray J, Ray J. What? Um, uh, I'm just saying things that stick in players' mind to where they okay now they're identifying yep. with what they're trying to call here because like what could Bahamas mean? Uh, maybe that's a play to to Witten. Oh no, that would have been a Cabo. <laughs> Cabo. <laughs> uh, that's Cabo. pretty great. Uh, Scarface. I heard. Uh, I heard one of them on the morning show say that that might mean hey we're gonna audible to to hand it to our little friend. All right, so then oh. let me introduce you to my little friend Zeke. Oh, I thought he meant Pollard for I little friend. I thought he friend. meant Tavon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tavon's good. Yep. Um, or could it be something that they run in Houston? He's the greatest Houston rapper of okay. all time. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Could have been the Earl Campbell call. But you know. instead of numbers for these routes, he was talking about Drew Brees. Like you know, if they have route trees, they have a number like the nine routes, the go route, or whatever. You could have names for the routes that you're switching to. It's just mm-hmm. your hot routes, and that's the name of a slant route. It's gonna be uh, Irvin. Uh, uh, dirty, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. You know, or you don't want to give it away. You want it to be. They would disguise the slant route and call it Irving. Yeah, and, but you would know that it's the Michael uh, Irvin. Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't want to do that because the other team could pick up on it if they followed Dallas Cowboys history. If they knew about the suburb yeah. that people used to always butcher the name of when talking about Michael Irvin. Yeah, if they knew that rich, but rich history. If you said Dre, like. As in Dr. Dre, I thought that was one of their checks. Was Dre? I thought it was, Drake. I thought be... it was Drake. But yeah, if it's Dre, what would? Maybe that's started from the bottom. Now we're here. No, yeah. Drake would be a play out of the Canadian Football League. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. the Toronto Argonauts would run. Mm-hmm. But that could be like an out route or a zig or whatever it is. I mean, any of these things could be. Oh they, no, these could be names for the routes. The Drake would be you switch your allegiance mid route. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. Right? yeah, to just whatever's popular at the time. Tiger, Tiger, would be. Uh, and you're in a fight with your wife? Let's say, no, run towards the Hooters. Delete your voicemails. Yeah. <laughs> run towards the Arlington Hooters. That means you need to get some pancake Ooh. syrup on your hands. Yeah. Uh, Autoflex leasing fan text. Uh, man, we should probably give out the number. 877-881-1053. Bahamas means cover one. It means this, the corner's on an island. Oh. oh that's pretty good, right? I like that. I, I thought it was action. that somebody needs relief. Um, I don't think that's what it no. means. Okay. But I don't know. Thing. I'm not in the building. Thought That's they the made corporate yeah. We events. talked about the Cowboys game plan. It's just hard to know because we're not in those meetings. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyways, really good audio there. We appreciate the morning show for grabbing that. All right. Coming up next, yesterday was Mavs Media Day and holy Porzingis. Uh, confidence is riding high with the Mavericks. We'll talk about it next right here on 105.3 The Fan. All right. It's Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. We'll get back into some Cowboys coming up here in about... Oh, 40 minutes or so. John Daniels checks in at 1 o'clock. But yesterday was Mavs Media Day, and it is time. It is time to start thinking about a team that has really turned a corner, and they're exciting, and they're young, and they have two badass stars, and those badass stars were at the focal point of all the activity down at the AAC yesterday, talking about Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. And I can just, you know, we'll get into some of these quotes and different things that were said. But I did see Porzingis yesterday. I went down there after the show. That's, you know, towards the end of media day. But, man, he is so geeked up. I'm not even just talking about being jacked up. He is stopping and talking to everybody. He is all smiles. He cannot wait for this basketball season to start because he has been sitting on the sideline for a year and a half, hadn't played pro basketball since January of the year before, and he's ready to go, and pairing him and Luka together is going to be 
incredible. I can't believe how muscular he is. He's he big. And it's like I've heard people like down, like acting like it's not that big of a deal that he just has a little more definition or something. And I'm like, man, I think it's more significant than that. I think he's up 20 pounds over where he was his rookie season. I mean, compared to the what he looked like before, he just kind of looked like he just looked tall. He looked a little bit sickly. And now he looks he looks ripped. He looks athletic. And I saw a photo of him. It, it was a still photo. It was probably taken by Steve Chavera. And uh, he's doing a crossover. He's still got the ball in one hand, and he's touching the floor with his offhand. And I'm like, who is supposed to guard that? This is a guy who can hit threes. He's seven foot three, and he can cross over and touch the floor simultaneously. And I, I just don't think I'm ready for how good he's going to be. I just didn't watch a lot of Knicks basketball. I've watched a lot of Porzingis highlights, but he's never played with a player as good as Luka. I cannot wait for this to get going. I, I Honestly, I don't even know what to expect. I just know it's going to be really freaking good. Yeah, uh, let's talk about some of those things that you're describing there, him remaking his body. So it wasn't a matter of just putting on weight because they had to be real decisive about how much weight they were going to put on because they do want to be cognizant of the knee, building up the strength around it. If you go back and look at those pictures of him two years ago, there's just no definition. Not only is he skinny and spinally and all that, it's just he's not cut. So it was putting on weight, but it was also putting on definition. Here's Porzingis. We got this from NBC5. It's clip 36, Shippy, talking about why he waited and didn't play at the end of last season because physically he could have. Um, you know, that was that was kind of the plan. We, we, you know, we wanted to make the right decision. We didn't want to... Um, just because I wanted to play wasn't maybe the right thing to do, you know. So we, we, we took our time with that, and it was tough because I was already feeling great, but uh, we stuck to that, and, and, you know, I'm glad I did that, and here I am now healthy and ready to go. Healthy and ready to go, and that's why he's old smiles. Dude. All things come to those who wait. Yeah, and he's been waiting. Uh, and the style of basketball that, you know, the Mavericks are going to be able to play, it's going to be an offensive show, and Luka's going to have the ball so much. We talked about this. Last week, those stats were after the All-Star break. Luka had more touches than any per game than anybody in the NBA. And these guys are going to be playing. It's going to kind of be back in a lot of ways to some of the old two-man game stuff the Mavs would run with Dirk. Here's Porzingis. Uh, we pulled this off of our friend Nefarious Siren's Instagram account. So uh, this is audio. It's clip number 40, Shippy. It's Carlisle. He was asked how he knows that Luka and KP are going to complement each other so well. We've seen a lot of them in pickup games, um, you know, during preseason. But they both have uh, a tremendously high level of skill. Uh, they complement each other because Luke is great with the ball. Um, KP can, you know, he can screen and roll. He can screen and pop. He can slip screens and, and catch and shoot. He shoots with long range. He drives the ball. Um, both of these guys, you know, can create problems on their own. When you get them together, you know, we, we feel like they can create some even bigger problems for opponents. And so, uh, you know, it's, there's, and, and so far, watching them, and there's no reason they shouldn't. They, they haven't had really good chemistry. So the other thing, too, Ben, is, is Carlisle was emphatic that the rehab is over. The Mavericks don't play a back-to-back, I don't think, until about 15 or 16 games into the season. So I don't really think there's going to be a quote-unquote load management thing going on with Porzingis. Not even on back-to-backs? Uh, yeah, but they don't have one until... But, I know, mean, when they get to that? That'll be... I guess we'll see at the time. 
you know, they'll be one of the things that happened is Luca has his own guy on staff with the Mavericks, and everything I've heard is that he's perfectly aligned with how the Mavericks see things. So it wasn't a question of all right, we got to bring this guy in and work around him. It was like, oh, this guy's one of us. Let's just make him full time member of the staff because they're aligned. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, uh, you know, I think they'll decide that when they get to it. But I don't think they're going into the season going, okay, we need to do this and we need to do this. They feel like he's 100% physically ready and they're going to roll him out just like they would any other 24 year old player. What did you tell me about? Luca talking about Dirk. He learned from Dirk. He's going to stay here forever. Yep. So one of the uh, there's two things that are in conjunction here. One, you have uh, Carlisle talking about um, he wouldn't trade Luca for anybody, and then he started talking about Larry Bird. And the reason he's talking about Larry Bird is he played with Larry Bird, and he's talking about how one guy can make everybody so much better. And so while he's sitting there saying I wouldn't trade Luca for anybody, Luca's at another part saying. You look, I learned from Dirk. Because remember, I think we talked about this yesterday. You guys remember uh, Rick was saying this is a unique time because Dirk is gone. That's been our identity. And so these two guys are going to be uh, creating the culture for our team and the identity of their team. It's on these two guys. To, and he and I think Rick was throwing it out there like he was throwing out the challenge. I like Rick said that it was scary. Yeah, because Dirk, Dirk is around. not here. It's yeah. scary. Can you guys step up and be something like Dirk? And so when Luca was referencing that, he was talking about that they want to follow in Dirk's footsteps. And then he went on to say, quote, as long as they want me here, I'll be here. Woo. Look, a lot of, we've seen this with young players. A lot of things can change. But because the environment is going to be so conducive to him shining and because the franchise is handing the keys over to Luca at the age of 20 and because – Porzingis is going to compliment him so perfectly, there's not a reason for him to leave. Unless they just start losing. Unless the wheels shoot off. Right. And then he's unhappy because they're losing. Right. And nobody else wants to come here, and then he is recruited to go join some other super team. Sure. Uh, so there is a degree of pressure for them to fill out the roster and uh, and and turn it into a true contender. But they've got the two hardest parts. They've already got the two superstars. Yeah. So I would think that after they play together and everybody sees, oh, God, poor Zingas is even better than he was before. Look at Luca. He's he's even better than he was before. I want to go play with those guys. I think, you know, we saw this coming. So we thought that the rest of the world would see this coming and NBA free agents would say, hell yes, sign me up for that. But there were other things that were more attractive to those free agents. Maybe after another year of seasoning, watching these guys play together because people haven't seen Porzingis in so long, maybe free agents will finally start looking at the Mavericks and go, hell yes, that's a super team. I want to go join that. Yeah, and I think the other aspect of this, too, is we were talking about this. So in the summer of 2020, or I guess this would be 2021, Luca and Porzingis will be combined making less than Harden by a lot. And so as you sit there and start going, well, who's going to go where? Like, even looking at the Lakers, for example, what's LeBron making? 45? Jeez. Okay. And then Anthony Davis is a max player. Dudes, that's two guys chewing up a lot. You're going to have two guys entering their prime that are chewing up half of that. And so it's going to be a thing where you can really, if you so desire, build a super team here. Now, LeBron's 37, by the way. 37 years. Oh, 37 million? Yeah. Okay. But 39 next year. Okay. So, um, and so. Uh, and then the other thing too, is I think the way Luca plays like last year at the end of the year, Rick was pretty adamant that, you know, people kept doing the, the James Harden comparison. He's like, we're not going, we don't play like them. 
They play different than us. And so I think Luke is going to score a ton of points, but I think he loves making passes. Porzingis loves scoring. I think more than likely Porzingis will be your leading scorer, and Luka will be more like he'll still drop 20 a game, but he's going to be up near 10 assists. I think he's he going cares to be more near, about that, right? Like he cares about triple doubles. Triple doubles, yep. And so I think he's going to be really high in assists. I think, and the other thing too, they're just our floor is so spaced with those just those two guys. Like if you were to watch Milwaukee play, and keep in mind the Greek freak can get anywhere he wants, but he can't shoot, right? So that changes the dynamic. They have Brooke Lopez spread out, and all these guys are playing basically four out. It's going to be more dangerous with the Mavericks doing it because you can't close out on Porzingis. So whoever's covering him, they're not going to leave him. If you leave him, he's draining threes on your head. And who covers Porzingis? It's a going team to be center. It's got to be the other team center, and or oh. or they're or they're four. And so then what happens is is you're playing four on four, because you're not leaving that guy. This is what I always talked about, Jet. The reason Jet is getting his number retired is because for his whole career he came off of a Dirk screen. Usually two guys were hugging Dirk. So hey, Jet, what do you want to do with an open floor? I mean, it just changes the dynamics of everything. So the caliber of player that's coming off that screen is Luca. It's going to be beautiful. This offense is going to be beautiful. Um, we'll see if the defense and the rebounding can hold up, but that's why they added DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright is going to be your best perimeter defender covering who Luca doesn't have to cover. Will Dorian Finney-Smith will t- win time, or will it be Justin Jackson? Does Dwight Powell fit in better? Does it Maxi Kleba? But you have two cornerstones, and I realize everybody's – knee-deep in Cowboy football, and they haven't watched Porzingis play, and they don't know, trust me, a month from now, you will know. What's the uh, what's the schedule like for the Mavs early on to get off to a good start and really get the, the hype train going? Because, yeah. I mean, it'll be great, and we're going to watch them the first few games, but what if they start off slow? Yeah, so if so they, I guess what I'm saying is what's their schedule like early on? If they, like, we like to panic, so if they lose opening night to the Wizards at home, end of the world. Let's go ahead. They will beat the Wizards. The Wizards are garbage. Then they have the Pelicans on the road Friday night, and that's a national game on Friday night on ESPN. And that'll be, you know, I don't. It's an early season test because there's some people that think the Pelicans are better than the Mavs. Mm-hmm. I think the Mavs probably have it, but it's close. And I love the Pelicans team. Um, I, I think there's way too much emphasis on Zion at this point, but he's going to matter in their system. But those are those like Portland, Denver, Lakers. Port- Denver might be one of the top two or three teams. Denver might have a better record than the Lakers and the Clippers. Oh, they got the Cleveland and then the Knicks all in the first. Uh, 10 games, though. Yeah. Man, they got like three easy wins in the first 10 games. They should be able to get off to a good start. How much since Porzingis and Luka haven't played together, do you expect to see more of them in the preseason than you might normally? I think it'll be exactly the same. Will they play together? Yeah, I think they'll play together. But, I mean, there was some games. I think some of those preseason games were even back-to-backs. Yeah, the first two preseason games are back-to-back, so he's not playing in one of them. One of those he won't play. And I think, you know, there will be an emphasis on them playing together, but I don't think they'll play all that much. And I don't think there will ever be a quote-unquote dress rehearsal game. Um, but you're, to your point, but I do think he'll have them out on the floor together a lot because that's really the focal point of this team is their chemistry with one another. That's all I care about watching. Like, if uh, if you can let me know when those things are going to happen, because I'll watch preseason basketball if those guys are going to be on the floor together. Right. I will, too. Uh, All right, coming up next, Ben, let's talk to John Daniels for the last time this season. Let's find out what direction they may be headed. He had an interesting quote earlier today about trades. We'll talk to J.D. next right here on The Fan. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com. 